0: All right, welcome to Bet the Edge, I'm Jay Croucher, here with Drew Dinsick We're going to talk a lot of NBA today, Uh, better or worse, we'll get into everything first The draft, is uh, round one is done, mercifully, Drew, what did you make of it?
1: Uh, I mean, we can talk. I'd like to go deep dive into the gambling ramifications in a minute, but I think just from a macro sense, from an NFL handicapping sense, I don't think that anything that happened yesterday moves the needle whatsoever for this upcoming season. You know, I don't think that really any of the kind of high impact players landed anywhere that would really meaningfully change any markets, which is wild to say because, uh, you know, it's, yeah, the, the 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 with the one exception. And had nothing to do with the draft, and that was Lamar Jackson signing with the Ravens long-term. Like, the big winners of yesterday, if I had to, in terms of, like, market equity, is Ravens' championship because they bring Lamar back into the fold, and they are now populating that team with weapons around him. So, um, you know, I think the only thing I can take away from the last month of everything that's happened in the NFL really is that the Ravens uh, now have a much better chance than they would have otherwise. Other than that, I don't think that... Uh, you know, any of the kind of rookie quarterbacks really moved the needle for me in terms of championship equity, division divisional win equity. Um, certainly the, uh, uh, you know, we can get into sort of the, the winners and losers of the draft and some of the teams that I had aspirational hopes for kind of being excited about in the NFC took steps backwards by drafting running backs in the first round. And then, you know, ultimately, like, from a gambling standpoint about the draft, I'm pretty tilted this morning. Uh, we... we my two major macro sense, you know, theses heading into yesterday were the Texans are ultimately BSing about taking a defender. They're going to take QB2, and they did. Uh, and then the Texans, you know, kind of snip we sniffed out, I think, that they were trying to get the Titans to commit to trading up to three and then take the guy the Titans wanted. We put that together as well. It ultimately, though, was Stroud, not Levis. And uh, I have a lot of kind of you know, sift through the rubble to figure out how I got so far down the road that Levis was the guy uh, to kind of figure that out. Um, but uh, even more so, feel a little gross that I was in any way participatory in sort of the CJ Stroud uh, like disinformation campaign. You know, guy was clearly pretty emotional getting picked second. I felt for him in that moment. That was kind of the only part of the entire broadcast that I really thought was like kind of good it's just seeing strad the relief on his face getting chosen to after whatever he's been through in the last month having you know people trash him and you know particularly challenges uh you know his intelligence and um yeah that was a, it was it was a weird night i don't feel great this morning ultimately uh you know i look down a bit on the draft and you know losing in, on the draft is pretty inexcusable because it's an information market it's not like this was my opinion um but uh yeah i think uh just in general a little a little down this morning how are you doing
0: Yeah, uh, I'm still down from the Milwaukee Bucks, so nothing about the (laughs) the spirits. I don't really understand. Yeah, I don't really understand anything that happened around the markets for two, three, four, and what was going on there. Will Levis closed like minus 1500 to go four, and there was a wave of money at death on Stroud 2. And then there was a similar wave on Levis 4. And the steam was clearly right on Stroud too. And and he got to a point where he was basically off the board in a way that Levis 4 wasn't. But still, that was odd. I mean, 10 minutes before the draft, you could bet on Anthony Richardson at like plus 500 to go 4. And that happened. And Levis is still waiting to be picked. So uh, that was odd. I think the biggest takeaway from the draft for me is that Houston – uh, and I said this last night, Houston, they made quarterback trade for Will Anderson. And that's just the absolute debacle to trade yeah. that much equity for a defensive mm-hmm. player who is not a Miles Garrett level prospect, uh, at least in yeah. my understanding. So thought so that was insane, though. I mean, they could have come out of the draft potentially with Will Levis as well. And I think CJ Stroud is the better pick there. So, not a disaster overall, but that trade was. Uh, and then the Lions as well. <sighs> and I think if they had nailed the first round, we'd be talking about them as an emphatic uh, favorite for the NFC North and, you know, very much justifying their place as a top four favorite in the NFC. But, now it's, I mean, I mean, look, still, it doesn't doesn't kill their season or anything. It's two players who will be additive, just not as additive, potentially uh, as they could have been. But yeah, what did you make of the Lions?
1: Yeah, I, I I echo your sentiment in almost lockstep. Even trading down from six, I like obviously they got scooped apparently uh, by by the Seattle taking Witherspoon five, which was again a weird one. Um, and uh, you know they trade down they get more assets it's like wow the lions have really figured this out and then to use 12 on a running back which number 1 was a position of uh you know tr- just a true uh empty calories for them like i really do not understand and you know wasting draft capital that high on a running back uh for the- particularly for that team and that roster uh, and then to turn around and take a linebacker with their 18th pick both were head scratching decisions i thought we had a pretty clear signal from the lions that they were kind of in the coach, you know, head coach, locker room, tough, you know, big, big, you know, tough get to get these guys riled up, uh, you know, get them motivated. But in the front office, I thought they were using pretty heavily, you know, heavy analytical tools to make some decisions. And apparently not uh, because both of the ch- choices they made in the first round flew in the face of, uh, you know, how you want to go about roster building. So did not understand it, did not like it. Uh, and then to circle back on your point about what the Will Anderson trade for three, that was one of the worst trades I can remember. Honestly, that was it was it was brutal. Like that's probably going to be a top ten pick, maybe a top five pick next year in a more uh, well-regarded draft class. Um, The idea of you could have had. Marvin Harrison Jr. who all plays pretty great with C.J. shroud. Like that wouldn't have been the worst thing if you were, you know, kind of sit tight and just let, you know, take your L's this year, but build something for the future. Like I I really don't know why you would give up that type of uh, package for a, like a high floor defensive player. Uh, And honestly what it signals to me, and this is again, kind of, this is kind of why maybe another reason I'm a little down this morning, like, Yeah, like I, after seeing what happened with Stroud in this whole cycle and then seeing him go second, like I want to cheer for him to have like a successful career. But the idea of the stewards of the Texans franchise being able to execute, you know, build a team around him and kind of help him succeed. I don't have a lot of confidence in it this morning. Um, It was bad decision making. They have, you know, they they apparently learned nothing from the end of the Bill O'Brien era, where they're trading away all this capital for, you know, players that ultimately don't really help them win, and or positions that don't really matter. So it was it was very 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 strange to see the way it all went down. Uh, And uh, you know, I I, you know I I don't really have expectation that the Texans aren't going to be back in the quarterback market in like twenty twenty six.
0: Yeah, my only read on that is that D'Amico Ryans clearly wanted Will Anderson, I think, and ownership, I guess, wanted CJ Stroud. uh, And the compromise was, yeah, well, We'll, we're taking CJ Stroud, but we'll trade everything to get you your guy as well, D'Amico. So, a bit of a strange one. Uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year, quick check-in on this. Uh, Bijan Robinson and Bryce Young, the co-favorites, of plus 400. CJ Stroud, plus 650. Anthony Richardson, plus 650. I'm not sure Richardson's even going to start uh, ahead of Minchu. We'll see about that. No real bets for me in this market at the moment. I mean, it's pretty flat. Uh, I think the top three guys are rightfully the top three favorites, but not a ton of meat on the bone at those prices. I think.
1: Yeah, I, I see a lot of losing for the Panthers. They need a lot more weapons to compete with Young, even if he succeeds ultimately. Uh, I think Bijan Robinson and the Falcons like there's just too many mouths to feed for him to be, uh, you know, kind of a number one, you know, type of pr- production to get consideration from a running back position. Similarly, I think Stroud and the Texans are going to lose quite a few games this year and that'll hurt his case uh as we go down the board the the name and the number that really pops for me is quentin johnson at 14 to 1 uh the uh chargers are going to be a much much better offense presumably this year with uh kellen moore at the helm uh quentin johnson has the athletic traits i think to where we could get to the end of the season and he's wide receiver one on that team as you have you know mike williams obviously dealing with some you know potential injury situations and then you know you know uh, uh alan just kind of at the end of his run here as far as a producer so uh, quentin johnson could put up some statistics that i think impress people uh, and i kind of like uh, the price point there at 14 to one
0: okay i like it all right before we get into the nba a reminder to download the Roto world app to receive breaking player news all season long stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster get the latest injury updates player news and much more delivered right to your phone it's available in the app store today couple of Western Conference game sixes tonight. Kings, Warriors, Warriors, seven and a half point favorites, total 235. And then the Lakers are four and a half point favorites over our Grizz, total 219. There, do you have any plays on these games? Uh,
1: I will just say that, uh, I did lose a little bit on the draft, which I'm annoyed about. But, uh, if the Grizzlies lose this game tonight, um, <laughs> This is going to go down as my worst week and worst month of uh, going back probably 18 months. Uh, if that hits, if that hits the you know hits the accounts, then I got got to clear all the Grizzlies futures out of here. So uh, I'm very, very, very hopeful that the Grizzlies can somehow force a game seven uh, if uh, if they play the way that we saw them play in the fourth quarter, and if the adjustments that uh, Taylor you know has in his back pocket uh, continue to um, give them an advantage, then I do believe the Grizzlies could win this game. Um, I played a little bit of money line for the Grizzlies, but it was mostly just in to you know out of spirit. Uh, I can't make fair. I can't make fair money line anywhere close to what the current number was, which was like what plus one seventy seven or something, uh, plus one eighty four right now on the money line at some of the uh, some of the shops here. So uh, that. To me, is nowhere close to fair. I think this is a pick pickemish type of game. We, I need to hit a, a hit, hit this coin flip, force a game seven, uh, and then we can have some fun uh, with the series bets. But uh, yeah, uh, very, very, very hopeful that the Grizzlies uh, can get it done. Do you share any kind of optimism here for the Grizzlies, or are you prepared for the series to be over?
0: No, I do share the optimism. I think that the Grizz are very live tonight. Uh, I think it's a decent bet. I think as well, if you're multiplying out the money lines, there's a little bit of value on the series price as well for the Grizz if you shop around. Uh, I think they figured something out in the previous game of just deciding that if they're going down, they're going down with offense and a space floor and shooting and playing more canard uh, and just having Jaron Jackson anchor the defense, playing more Bain at four, Brooks at four, uh, and I think that gives them a better chance to win because it was just too clunky when they were playing uh, playing bigger. So hopefully Agreed. they figured something out on that front. The only thing there is that it's just never clean with the Grizz and Luke Kennard got a shoulder stinger and he's questionable for tonight. Expect that he will go. If he doesn't, I think that actually hurts them more than a Luke Kennard injury should theoretically uh, hurt a team because um, I think he's – He's become quite important. So if he goes and he's right, then uh, then I like the Grizz tonight as well. All right. Before we get into uh, a couple of the other series, every season is draft season. Get your Road to World draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Road to World draft guides for the price of two. Plus use promo code BERRY and save an extra twenty percent at checkout. All right. The big one, Suns Nugget. Been waiting a while for this one. Very scared. I live in fear of uh, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Nuggets, three point favorites in game one, which I think is a relatively positive sign. Uh, if you're a Nuggets backer, a total of 225. Uh, I'm heavy on the Nuggets uh, basically at every price point, yeah. mainly to win the West, uh, but also to win this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how's your optimism about Denver?
1: Uh, hi. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Nuggets win game one. I think the Nuggets win the series. I think it's fun to take a couple of swings on the Nuggets winning this convincingly. Okay. Um, I think the longer the series goes and the more this becomes, um, you know, just in general an ISO type of situation, the more it favors the Suns. Uh, even though I have huge questions about their bench, huge questions about the ability for Chris Paul to stay on the floor and be effective in the series, particularly offensively, um, and just in general, like haven't seen enough from them uh, as a unit to this point to think that they ought to be favored in the series. All that said, like yeah, the deeper the series goes, the more nervous I'm going to be about a, a a Nuggets series bet. Um, Nuggets winning this thing in five, I can see it. Nuggets sweeping, I can see it. I think those prices are pretty favorable. Um, I'm seeing Nuggets sweep at fourteen to one. Nuggets four to one at uh, plus five fifty. I'm going to have a little bit of both of those in pocket, but my biggest action is absolutely taking the plus money on the series price here. Um, it's gone against me uh, for the most part. Uh, you know, it's it, the, you know my opinion of this when it opened was that it was going to. F- come closer to pick them as we got closer to tip and you can still get plus 108 series price out there. So yeah, there's room. The Nuggets, I think are the better team. Jokic, I think is primed to, uh, you know, to have the, you know, the series of his life. And um, yeah, not, not a lot I can say about the Suns positively defensively. And that's for maybe where most of my confidence comes from.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I like the sweep bets. I kind of like them both ways just because the Suns, they're such a high variance team and Mm. they're the team in the league whose market rating is going to adjust the most rapidly. It's fluid in both directions. Like there is a good chance that, you know, game, if if we get to game five, you know, the line could be Nuggets minus five. It could be Nuggets minus one. Um, I think it's going to be very fluid. And so when you're talking about the tails, um, these kind of outcomes, I think that going for extremes um, is a decent play. Uh, You know, I I think that people think this is a bad matchup for Denver because of what Phoenix did to Denver in the playoffs a couple of years ago or specifically what they did to Jokic on defense. And look, I think the Nuggets, I just think they're better now, clearly with their personnel. I think that the Suns, also, it's weird because they have Kevin Durant on their team now, but they also they, they kind of have more places where you can hide guys because of the fact that they're going to play so much Tory Craig, so much Josh, Josh Kogi. I think there's also the idea that Ayton is the Jokic stopper All I know is that I saw Nikola Jokic in a massive game against Brook Lopez, absolutely cook Brook Lopez in the post just over and over again. I think Jokic is just completely unguardable. I think he's the best offensive player in the league. Yes, maybe Aiton can put up a bit of a fight so you don't have to outright double-team Jokic all the time, but I still think Jokic is going to go off in that matchup. So regardless of the matchup stuff, I just think the Nuggets are the slightly better team. And with home court, I think they should be favored in this spot. And I think we're at the point now where because Golden State looks so likely to go through and Golden State's going to be favored in the next round no matter what the matchup is, I kind of like pr- probably betting the Nuggets series more than the Nuggets West at this point just because of the high likelihood, or well, not high, high, but relatively decent likelihood you're going to get Golden State in the next round. Uh, and Golden State might be favored against Denver even without home court if, uh, if they continue to look like they have uh, the past three games. Let's talk the Miami Heat. Um, we haven't really spoken about Heatbox. Just quickly on that one, like, I don't need to talk about Budenholzer. Like, Budenholzer, that was just the complete catastrophe. It's disgrace. I don't really care about not calling timeout at the end of overtime because, you know, it's it's off the break. There's advantage situations. It wasn't really a clean time to call timeout not calling timeout at the end of regulation, you hand in your papers that night. Like That is a yeah. fu- that's malpractice. It's like going to the free throw line and forgetting to shoot the free throw. Like It was just absolutely <laughs> insane that that happened in an NBA game. The whole team was just completely rattled. They couldn't dribble the ball up a half court or throw basic passes. They were just so nervous. And The fact that that happened to a team at home against an eight seed, but they've already won a title. And they, the fact that they were still that rattled is insane to me. And honestly, my big takeaway out of that, that we knew Bud was at a mismatch against Bolstra. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear anymore that Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I can't hear that anymore because he's not. And I understand he was compromised, but he's not as good of a player in this, like, this season as Joel Embiid or Nikola Jokic, or I would even say Kevin Durant or Stephen Curry. Giannis, the fact that he can no longer make mid-range jump shots like yeah. at all that's a huge problem. He used to shoot 40% on long twos. Now he shoots, you know, mid to low 30s. The fact that he cannot make free throws, and also to me, the thing that people don't bring up, Giannis is not the defensive player that he was in 1920 when he won DPOY. Why? Why he can't get through a screen and he's petrified of fouling people because he charges an offensive foul so much on the other end that he just doesn't protect the rim as much you didn't feel him defensively in that series at all when he was on the court so that was my big takeaway very upset uh, about the milwaukee bucks but uh, uh hat off to jimmy butler but um what did you think at the end of that series and, and what do you make a heat next?
1: uh i mean the entire series was just confounding yes yeah. <laughs> a, a one-man team being able to beat the best regular season team in the NBA is not something you really ever expect to see. And Drew, Kevin Love, <laughs>
0: Kevin Love outplayed Drew Holiday in I can't, game I, 5 I, in Milwaukee. I, yeah. Kevin Love was a better
1: yeah. player. Yeah. yeah I, I, that that saying that out loud seems like what what year are we in? What what reality is this? Um I think your points about Giannis are the most well taken. Um his career, Darko trajectory, by the way, doesn't look great. Uh, I
0: My mean, APM, he was like the, I want to say top, of head, like the eighth best player in the league. He was worse than, yeah. than Jimmy Butler, for instance.
1: Yeah, I, I don't have a sense of really what's going on with him. Uh, this, you know, we so you've seen similar kind of aggressive dips in LeBron's Darko at times, but when he's been able to recover, so I'm not ready to really kind of say this impacts his ultimate longevity or legacy in the NBA, but. Um, it was very, very, very disappointing, and I think the Heat are a bad team. I think the Knicks likely get this win, even though the best player in the series clearly plays for Miami. Uh, you know, it's it's still the you know the the growth you've seen defensively from the Knicks, particularly in that Cavs series. I think is meaningful, um, and uh, yeah, they're w- minus one forty nine right now. Uh, I can see them getting this done in short order. I kind of like under five and a half games for that series of plus plus one eighty. Um, I think I'm taking under five and a half games in both the Knicks uh, and the Nuggets series in that uh, kind of plus 170, plus 180 range.
0: Yeah, I don't mind. Again, I think this is a pretty high variance series because um, of the heat. They're going to keep shooting 45% from three. Uh, Probably not. Is Jimmy Butler going to be as good as he was? Probably not, but he's still clearly the best player. And then Randall also just creates uncertainty in this series, whether he's going to play and what state that he's going to be in. I bet the Heat. I bet the Heat at uh, plus one forty to win the series. Uh, big prizes out there. I just think again that the Knicks. That the two things where the Knicks kill you are offensive rebounding and transition. they outside of that. They're not a very scary offensive team. The Heat are an elite defensive rebounding team, and historically they've been excellent keeping teams out of transition. I think Spolstra is the coaching matchup again. I think the Heat. They're guys like. Kevin Love is going to be able to play in this series, which apparently is meaningful because Love changed the series against Milwaukee. The fact that Duncan Robinson, uh, he's going to be able to play as well, I think. The Knicks, they don't really have like that big wing who can really hunt you. And if Gabe Vincent can hold up against Chris Middleton in terms of strength, then he can probably hold up against Jalen Brunson as well. So I'm don't know. i just sick of this Heat team. Uh, i sick, sick of cheering against them. I feel like it's been... Each playoffs, it's it's the right side to be against the Heat um, because Butler's ascension and spolstra's coaching is just very difficult to capture in the market. But uh, I, I I think they're going to win this series. I think wow. the BAM injury stuff also, I think that's just kind of fake. Like, BAM oh. looks... I, I think that that's just, that was just reporting because he looked so bad in the series. I think it was mainly just a bad matchup. He looked pretty healthy and explosive to me um, in game five against Milwaukee. So, yeah, I don't feel great about it, but uh, at the current prices, I would take the heat.
1: I, 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 okay. Well, it's interesting. So we'll have a little head to head on this one then, because yeah. for, for me, at least, the Bucks give you. More better looks at three than you ought to be getting, and the Knicks is the opposite. They kind of get you to take the threes that you don't really want to take. And so, I feel like if the entire narrative after this is like a three zero series is like, what happened to Miami's shooting? I think that's probably what we're talking about. And so, yeah, to, I mean, to me, I'm I'm maybe missing something obvious, and maybe Butler's kind of level of play is just that good that he can elevate them. But uh, Knicks for me here.
0: Okay jimmy butler's not letting you get to 3 drew higgs is on a <laughs> higher plane uh coming springtime all right don't forget to check out mbtsportsedge.com for more information to help you with your wages thanks everyone for tuning in good luck on the weekend with all your bets and we'll be back on Monday.